Hi, I'm Laura Flanders. This is the show where the people who say it can't be done take a back seat to the people who are doing it. This week, part one of our report from Cannonball, North Dakota, where the Yocheti Sakoan, or Seven Council Fires community at Standing Rock, has been gathering to stop the construction of an oil pipeline. Over the last few months, representatives from hundreds of indigenous nations have traveled to Standing Rock, where they found not only struggle, but also community. And they have a lot to teach. They're calling themselves protectors, not protesters, and their effort is years in the making, part of a decades-long struggle against environmental racism, indiscriminate raids, and genocide. My name is Tua Ironshell. I come from the Ovala Lakota Nation. I'm very happy and humbled to see all of you people here supporting us. All of you people that are here supporting the youth, the youth are the ones that are leading this movement. The youth are the ones that have the voice. We're the ones who have the power. We're the ones who are going to stop this black snake. Our first conversation is with Terrell Ironshell of the International Indigenous Youth Council. He spoke about how young people like him are getting involved and how gathering at Standing Rock is mobilizing an entire generation of indigenous young people. My name is uh, Terrell Ironshell. Um, I'm Oglala Lakota and Eastern Band Cherokee. I have been here in uh, Cannonball for over a month now. I had just uh, joined the International Indigenous Youth Council, um, you know, as something to do. And now it's grown into um, this whole, almost like a, its own, you know, small movement here where, where we have the youth and we, we, you know, we're educating them on you know, our treaty rights and just our, you know, human rights and um, we're really just trying to empower them and not only youth my age but, you know, the kids and we really want, you know, we really want them to know that they do have a voice and, you know, they are the ones that are, that are going to do this. Right now we are, we're sitting in our, our International Youth Council's uh, camping ground. I think of this as the Elcheti Shakoan camp and um, this youth council here is, um, you know, the, the people that are here for the long haul, the ones that, you know, are dedicated to this council and dedicated to these youth that are here. The outsider, you know, they, they don't really know what's going on here. And so the media is taking advantage of that where, you know, they're, they're hate-mongering and fear-mongering. You know, these, these natives are bad, they're criminals, you don't want to be affiliated with them. And so they run all of this propaganda and it really, paints this narrative of us, you know, where, where we are here quarreling with each other and, you know, we are, you know, there's all this dysfunction, but when you come to camp and you actually walk around and, the, you know, everyone's in unity and peace and prayer, you know, everywhere you go, I, you know, I'm Oglala Lakota and one of my best friends, one of my brothers, he's Pawnee and he lives, he camps right across the road from us. And, you know, back in, back in the old days, that wouldn't have never have happened we would never have been able to get that chance to, to get to know one another on, on that personal level. And, you know, there, there are a lot of different tribes here, and uh, some, some of them, you know, they haven't been this close in contact with each other in hundreds of years. And so then this is really a great time for our people where, where we're all coming together and we're all standing for one thing, and it's not just for this pipeline. You know, now we have all of these different networks and relations that we can we can call upon and we can all stand in solidarity with each other and it can it can go farther than this pipeline and that's really what we're trying to do here is gear these young kids up for the future 
this is just a small stepping stone for them where they're going to learn these, these leadership roles and, and the roles that they play in our culture and our heritage and the different protocols that they have to follow. They're going to unlearn that here. So when they're older and we have more things like this and more opportunities for our people to network and you know, build our voices, then they will already have those, those common tools where you know, they had learned that from a young age. We're constantly meeting new people here and making new relationships. And those are a part of the healing process as a part of this healing ceremony where we, we are able to speak to people who have been through it or people who have seen it and really learn what worked and what didn't. And, and it's, it's really powerful that, that we are able to be here and be able to witness stuff like this. Social media has, has played a major role in this. You know, we have all of these allies that, that can't be here, but they stand in solidarity with us. Um, we're receiving an almost, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's, you know, we get a lot of mail from supporters, you know, saying that they stand with us and they're, they're standing in solidarity with us. And so we're trying to uh, get these different messages or symbols to try to connect with them where, where they could stand with us and they can do actions with us, but just directly from home or wherever they are. That's the voice of Terrell Ironshell of the International Indigenous Youth Council, talking to the Laura Flanders Show earlier this fall. Growing up in an American Indian movement family, uh, I have been around um, you know, activists and uh, civil rights leaders and all of these different community organizers and, uh, you know, just being around those people and, you know, sitting and hearing the conversations that they have with each other. You know, a lot of people don't think that, you know, the youth listen, but, you know, we are listening. Every, every time uh, there's people around and they may be sitting there playing or doing their own thing, but they're sitting there listening to what's going on around them and they're absorbing it. What I see here is within these youth is the, they yearn for this knowledge, you know, of our ancestors and of our treaties. So what, what I would really want to see is these youth actually, you know, going out and getting educated and going to college and really fighting for our treaty rights. I have a three-year-old daughter and she's here with me and I take her to all of these meetings with me and she sees all of the different ceremonies go on, not only the ceremonies of our people but ceremonies of other people all across Turtle Island, all across this whole world. And you know, she's, she's learning, she's absorbing all of this. And so when she gets older, she's gonna say, yeah, I was there, you know, during the biggest gathering of nations on the planet. I was here, I learned from these people, I had relationships with these people. And those are relationships that are gonna last a lifetime. You're listening to The Laura Flanders Show, and this is a special report from Standing Rock. When you would go to an elder and you would ask for help, or you would ask for advice, you would bring them tobacco, and they would tell a story. And it was up to you in your mind and in your heart and what you were going through at the time to get what you needed from that story. You know, as a part of the healing process, you would translate that story as to what it meant to you. I heard this, this story and whenever I got here, it, hit, it, it really hit me like, oh, well, this, you know, this is why I heard that story. Back in, in the old days, when the elders would come to meet, they would meet in a, in a council's lodge, like the one that we have here. And there was uh, the wolf, 
and the bear and the eagle and they were the the leaders and so they were having counsel in this lodge and there there was the little bunny and he he had wanted his voice to be heard but them being elders and him being you know the young small bunny that he is he doesn't really have that room to speak and so the the elders were having their council in in the lodge and as they're they're getting ready to discuss these important things they hear a drum outside a hand drum and uh, they say you know go deal with that you know we're trying to have a council it has to be quiet and so they they send the wolf out and he sees the little bunny and he's standing there playing his drum and singing his song yo hey yo hey yo hey yo hey yo and the wolf goes up to him and he says little bunny can can you stop um, singing your song and you know we're trying to have counsel in here and no the bunny just keeps singing and beating on his drum and the wolf says okay well I have a solution and he grabs one of his arms and he rips it off and he goes you know he goes back into the teepee and says well problem solved he doesn't have an arm he can't beat on his drum so they they try to go back into their council and uh, discussing these things and they, they hear the drum outside again. And this time the bear says, okay, well, I'll take care of it. And when he goes outside, he sees little bunny and he's, he's got the drum in between his legs and he's beating it with his, with his one arm. And he's singing his song, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo. And the bear says, little bunny, can you stop? Can you be quiet? We're trying to have counsel in here and you're out here singing your song and beating on your drum and we can't really concentrate and the bunny just keeps singing his song with his drum between his legs and so the bear he says well I have a solution and he takes one of his legs and he takes one of his arms and he says okay perfect you know he can't hold his drum anymore he can't beat it and so he goes back into the council lodge and they they resume their meeting and they hear him singing outside yo hey yo hey yo yo hey yo and so the eagle says, well, I'll take care of it. And when he goes outside, the little bunny is hopping on one foot because he doesn't have a drum anymore. He can't hold his drum. So he's hopping on his one foot and he's singing his song to the beat of his, his hopping. And the eagle, he says, little bunny, can you stop singing? We're trying to have counsel in here and you're disturbing us. And the little bunny just keeps hopping and singing his song. And so the eagle, he goes over and he takes off the, the bunny's foot and he takes his head. And he says, well that, you know, now he has, he has no head, he can't talk. And, you know, problem solved. And when they go back into the council teepee, they hear, they hear a faint drum and a faint song when it's a bunny song. And so they all go outside together to address him and it's just his little body sitting there. And they can hear the faint drum and the faint song still. And so when they go up to his body and they look into his, his neck, they realize that the song is coming from his heart. And they, that's when they realize that they couldn't stop, stop him from singing his song and they couldn't stop him from having his voice heard. So they put his legs back on and they put his arms back on and they put his head back on and they invited him into their council.
yesterday we led a rally in in Bismarck and when we came back there was a they're almost like a warrior society in their own way it's a group of elderly women and so they invited us over to the Red Warrior camp and they had a meeting with us and they had voiced their support for us and also their concerns for uh, the youth uh, not only here but for uh, all of the youth, all of our, all of our people's youth, and uh, the struggles that we're having. But they had said that we had given them hope for our generation because of the things that we're doing and the leadership roles that we have taken. You know, we're really setting a new path for, for these young people to follow. Our next conversations with Michelle Cook, who was right then celebrating her 30th day as legal counsel for the Ocheti Sakoan camp. So, yat e she Michelle Cook nishie hanagat nishle bilagana basis chain tobahi dashich e bilagana dashinelli. My name is Michelle Cook. I'm from the Dinan Nation, and my clan is the one who walks around you clan. Um, today is my one month anniversary here at Standing Rock, camped in the Ocheti Shakwi camp. Um, I have been here um, to facilitate the legal team um, and have uh, tried to be of service to the camp in, in the uh, legal defense and in organizing um, the attorneys who have come in to uh, help and assist the camp uh, with the legal defense and with any other concerns that they have. Um, it's been an incredible experience to be here. I've constantly been challenged every day um, to to learn to be humble um, and to consider the individuals that are most vulnerable and weak here in the camp. Um, we have a lot of elders here, we have a lot of women and children, and um, so we have been very much concerned in, in doing what we can to place those who are most vulnerable in the center of our decision making and in the, in the center of our, our overall legal strategy of uh, providing services here to the folks on site. What I've learned here is, is truly remarkable and truly humbling. Um, when we talk about rights in the United States, when we talk about human rights in the United States, we often do that from a distance. Um, however, when you come to a place like this and you see um, our constitutional rights be violated, when you see the civil and political rights be violated, when you experience and see human rights be violated, it changes your perspective on where we are as a country, where we are as indigenous peoples in the United States. And what I have seen is that we are very far um, from having our rights meaningfully and fully and effectively protected. Um, we continue to have um, uh, uh, violations of rights. We continue to have the, the treaties, um, Indian treaties that have been violated. And we, we consistently see that when indigenous peoples have exercised their, their human right to self-determination, their inherent right to self-determination, they have been met with incredible acts of violence. And that is unacceptable here in the United States. And that is unacceptable anywhere in the world. Indigenous peoples have a right to their lands, territories, and natural resources. They have a right to their sui generis legal systems and their self-governance. They have a right of self-determination. And by virtue of that right to pursue their economic, social, cultural development, that is, that is a right 
um, that is a human inherent right. And that is what this camp is about. People gonna rise like the water. We gonna face this crisis now. I hear the voice of my great granddaughter saying shut this pipeline down. People gonna rise. The ways in which uh, they have come to do that development, which was without adequate consultation or consent. On the other hand, it is also to, to build the future, to say that indigenous peoples are no longer going to allow their rights and their futures to be robbed from them. That is no longer acceptable to, to, to steamroll development projects in indigenous territories without seeking their consent and without considering how those decisions, those developments of their natural resources jeopardize their survival as a peoples for the future. So we're very much here to stand for life, to stand for indigenous peoples' rights and a paradigm of rights going forward. Um, as, as you're aware, um, after the injunction was denied in D.C., the intervention by the Department of Justice, the um, Department of Interior, and the Department of Defense um, stated two recommendations in the intervention, and one was to reconsider the consultation and con consultation policies in the United States, and the other was uh, uh, proposed legislation that would change the statutory framework of the United States. And so if they are truly in good faith with those recommendations, then we certainly have um, a conversation and we certainly have much to tell them in how we would like to see that statutory framework of federal Indian law be changed to align with indigenous people's human rights. And indigenous peoples throughout the United States have put pressure on the state party, the United States, to change their laws so that we can avoid the human rights violations which have occurred and which have indeed um, brought us here. We would not be here in this camp if federal Indian law was not obsolete. Um, if we would not be here if indigenous human rights were protected, were meaningfully protected. And so this is why we're here, because we're demanding um, that things must change. And you know, they've, they've come after um, indigenous peoples uh, in so many respects. They've taken the children, um, they've taken our land, and now they've tried to take our water, which is our very essence of survival as a people. That was Michelle Cook, one of the legal counsels for the Ocheti Sakoan camp. It is unacceptable that a corporation or any entity would threaten the ability of a peoples to survive, to exist. That is genocidal. Decisions which threaten the ability of a people to survive is genocidal. Call it by any other name. Call it progress. Call it manifest destiny. That is what's happening in America. A war by other means against the most vulnerable people, the first Americans here. And so we're saying no. We're saying no, that America can do better, that this world can do better by indigenous peoples. And we are here to build that future. And if the government in that intervention is inviting us to dialogue, to say that how can we change the laws? Well, we have a lot of recommendations for them. One is to enforce the treaties that were signed by our governments and our nations, our tribal nations. Those treaties must be enforced. Human rights to consultation and to free prior informed consent 
must be respected and meaningful, meaningfully and effectively um, executed. The protection of sacred sites and the protection of our ability to exercise our religious expression and freedom must be part of that way forward. If we are truly and in good faith wanting to change, as that recommendation uh, said in that intervention, then that is what must be done. And so we're, uh, the people here and, and going forward will be um, in a position to negotiate, but it's not gonna be on their terms. It's no longer gonna be on their terms. Business will not carry on as usual because we wanna live and we wanna live as free people. We're not gonna be prisoners of war anymore. We're not gonna be oppressed anymore. We're not gonna allow a government or a corporation to ignore the suffering of these people. We're not gonna allow a corporation to come and possibly decimate the Lakota Dakota people. We're not gonna allow it. And so you see that the world, the whole world has rallied to support this movement, this pure movement of, of humble and beautiful people who, have, who are doing nothing more than demanding that they will exist, that they will live, that they will have dignity, that they will not be silent as their cultures, as their peoples, as their water is threatened and undermined by corporate greed or corporate entities that have no accountability, that have no remorse. When those individuals from, from Dakota Access, when they turn dogs on a group of women and children, that is unacceptable, but they showed, they showed themselves that they would kill for that oil. That is unacceptable. That is not, and should not be part of America, should not be part of this world. But that's the true history. That's, that's the history of genocide. That's the history of what has happened since for 500 years here in this land, is that the state and, and non-state actors have used violence to take what they want. And so we are very much fighting for the soul, the soul of America. We're fighting for the soul of this earth. We're fighting for the soul of this planet. We're fighting for the soul of humanity. We are better than this. We are better than that. I believe that fully in my heart that every, every human being yearns for that freedom and yearns to be free from oppression. And if, if this camp can help facilitate that healing, if this camp can help individuals begin to imagine what a just future would look like for indigenous peoples and all peoples, then I'm happy to be here. And I'm happy to take part and to facilitate in any way I can the service of that greater mission, which is to, to protect this planet, to protect the waters, to protect the forests, to protect the land that we all are inextricably connected to and depend on for our survival. And so we're not just doing that for the immediate needs, but we're doing that for the future, for the unborn, for those who are coming, for the young generations. We have to do that for them. It's our responsibility to be here and to do that for them. And I'm thankful for that. And I've learned a lot. And I certainly know that when I go back home into my own homelands in Diné territory, that I will be sending this message out to the world and that what I've learned here will influence and will 
become part of my practice and my methodology to achieve human rights in the United States for indigenous peoples and for all peoples. You're listening to The Laura Flanders Show. For more information, go to lauraflanders.com. We, we have not won the war because, again, the war is throughout the world. It's in the Amazon. It's in, it's in Amazon. It's in Palestine. It's the struggle for human rights, for dignity, for, for land is a global struggle. And so this is one part of that struggle. But we stand victorious already because we have achieved something that has never been done. We have united tribes that have been traditional enemies. We have united the world to support an indigenous cause. We have come together to imagine what a just future would look like. This has never happened before, it's unprecedented. And so we can sit in that victory and be thankful for that victory, that we have achieved something here that is unprecedented, that will continue to unfold and continue to teach us as time goes on. And so this has been a profound act of sovereignty. It will be what I think will be a turning point in, in the discourse of Indian rights in the United States. And I think it will be a turning point for indigenous people's rights globally. And I hope that it, it's, it's a spark that catches throughout the world that will light the fires of justice um, for all peoples. And I'm thankful to be here and I'm thankful for our media um, who's here to, to tell the world that we are not protesters. We may be fighting a pipeline, but we are indigenous peoples. We are the first Americans. We have rights. We have human rights. We are exercising those rights. We are implementing those rights right now. And that's who we are as a people. We are the voice of the earth. We are the voice of the water. And we're asking for the forces that be to stop the destruction and to let us live. That's it for this week. I want to thank everyone who made this report possible at Standing Rock, as well as all of you at home who contributed to defray our costs. If you want to help keep coverage like this coming, please follow the links and contribute at lauraflanders.com. And if you want to tell me what you think, write to me. That's laura at lauraflanders.com. L-A-U-R-A at lauraflanders.com. Thanks a lot. We'll be back next week.